It's episode 998. Holy cow. And it's a relevant podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And once again, blowing us off. No, that's not true. He had something come up. <laughs> Derek isn't with us. And so filling in is our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hello. You have big shoes to fill. You've been filling in for Derek for like <laughs> yeah. four four episodes now. It's I think a very she's, she's bringing her own shoes to the table and doing a great job. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm I was gonna that. say I don't know if anybody can really fit into Derek's shoes. I'm not even gonna try. So I'm just going my own way. And hopefully everyone's enjoying the crazy ride. Oh, it's it's been it's been quite a ride. Beforehand, <laughs> we were talking about your sweet UFO tattoo that you have, which you know I feel like. You know, because right now, I mean, when Derek comes back, he's essentially filling your shoes. Uh, that, that's how good you've been doing. And I think we're going to require him to get a UFO tattoo right on his neck as a way of paying homage to, to your service here, Emily. And I think he will quit on the spot if you tell him that. Because <laughs> if there's one thing I know about Derek, it's he does not love space in the same way I do. So <laughs> I just don't see him getting that. Yeah. Jesse doesn't love space either. I didn't know Derek didn't love space. He I feel like he's made comments before about how he's like, he just Too wants big. to stay on earth. <laughs> he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's good on the ground. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That sounds like Derek. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, it's the thing about space. Too much space out there. It's too big. Like, too, you know, I, let's shrink it down so we can think about it. Make more, I don't know. Why, why is everyone worried about it? Too much space up there. That's exactly what it is. Just space. <laughs> too much space. Oh, man. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, T.D. Jakes is here. This is crazy. Uh, I don't know if you follow him. I, I follow him on Instagram, much like Jerry Lorenzo and a lot of people follow him on Instagram. Great teaching. Uh, he, he's famously done Women That Are Loose, the women's conference forever. And this is the last the last year of it. So we talked mm-hmm. about that. We talked about women in ministry. It's a great conversation. Emily talked to him. Uh, recently, so the last stay tuned dance. for that. The last dance with TD Jakes. You know what's mm. interesting? Like this doesn't apply to uh, TD's conference, uh, women that are loose, because he's doing it. He talks about intentionally handing the baton to the next generation, and and there's other bigger reasons why um, they're they're stopping it. But you know, it reminds me. I mean, think about the landscape. There aren't any big Christian conferences anymore. It seems like that was a huge thing for a long time. I'm thinking like Catalyst and some others, and they just, they went away. Do you think because of like COVID like conferences or do you think even before COVID conferences I, were kind of fading out? I can get all the teaching I want on online. It's everybody's accessible. I don't need to go travel, spend all this money, get a hotel. Jamie, I feel like you probably out of, out of all of us on this call have, uh, you know, are plugged into the, the world of live events. Have you noticed, you know, that since COVID, even though, even though, you know, a lot of people's lifestyles have returned to some degree of normalcy, that those type of live events just aren't, don't seem to be coming back. Is that, is that observation accurate? 
I think it depends on maybe the area that it is being held, maybe is what I th- what I'm thinking, because like I'm doing an event later in the year in South Dakota and it sold out in like 12 hours. And I was like, oh, people are coming. Yeah. But I do think people had to pivot so much during COVID and they took all these conferences online. And then if you have the same, con- I'm not, I don't know if this is what TJ did, but if you have the same conference, same conference, and then you take it online and then you try to bring it back. I think people got a little used to that online stuff. It's the yeah. same way people are having trouble getting people back in churches. So they're like, oh, wait. You were serving me really well for my computer screen. So I agree. I think it's really hard to have live events just with people getting so used to not traveling. I think, and this is on the fly, I haven't really put a lot of thought into this, but just as we're talking about it, it's like, because I've been to uh, numerous, you know, kind of faith-centric conferences over over my adult life, you know, but the the one thing that I've noticed that does seem to have come back uh, post-COVID, and Cameron, you know, this is, I think, I can't remember some podcast where I was listening to after we got back from NBA Summer League, where they compared it to like, you know, Comic Con for NBA fans. And it's like a lot of those type of conferences that really are sort of like fan service where it's not really like speeches or um, presentations. It's like panels and interacting and very community centric. Those are the type that seem to be, you know, thriving again, where, you know, it's like the, the, the Comic Con type of stuff because it is more about like, Way, plugging in with like-minded people and community versus going to like hear a teaching. I just wonder if there's like a space for that type of conference or event in the faith world that maybe isn't because Cameron, to your point, you get teaching, you, you know, everything's online. You know, like I can watch a YouTube video or a live stream of any sermon or teaching or kind of faith, just like Ted talk, but something where you can go and like connect with people who have similar interests in faith. I wonder if that would be sort Sort of like the next chapter of where that goes. Well, I think people want an experience, you know, and so I think you're on to something, Jesse, is they want that experience. And so give me more than just what we used to do is just speaker after speaker on a stage, like give me an experience and give me connection. So I think you might be on to something. And yeah. the, the regional ones like Zoe conference or VU conference, like that the local church is putting on, those are doing, they're back mm-hmm. in full swing and stuff like that. And that's more the church community coming together you know, and other friends, but it's not as much like what you're saying, speaker after speaker after speaker. I think the one thing that, you know, we've seen come back like full force is live music, you know, yeah. and touring and stuff like that. And and equating that to the church conference thing. I, and, and Jamie, you were talking about online church. I did online church for two years and became a shell of myself spiritually. I, I just, I, I didn't realize what I was missing. And I've been going back to in-person church since earlier this year. And, you know, the tangible worship experience, being in a room of people, the energy, there's something palpable about it that online church just did not give me. And it's just like, it's not about the teaching. You're right. I can hear the teaching on a podcast as I'm driving to work on Tuesday. You know, it's just like, I don't, it's not the teaching. It's the worship, the music, the 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 community mm-hmm. part of it that I think you know, people are craving again. And so, but it's interesting that maybe it's like smaller conferences, more community-based interactive conferences, as opposed to mega conferences where we're just sitting there being entertained, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation a thousand times about the difference between like church events and sporting events and sporting events obviously are like, they're a hundred percent back. Am I wrong about that? I mean, no one's having trouble filling stadiums. Um, And so it's just interesting to see like people who are thinking like, oh, I don't know if everything's back. And then 
I'm heading to like a soccer game tonight in Austin and I'm sure it's going to be packed and crazy and awesome and fun at the same time. So the, the other thing too, is like, but to your, to your point there, it's like it, those events are experiences. They're not mm-hmm. just, you know, right. like where in the past, and I'm not calling out any conference. I mean, I'm more or less thinking of like the, that, that meme that was going around from in front of like one of the like NFT crypto conferences where, you know, there's a ball pit outside and it's just some guy just standing <laughs> knee deep in a giant outdoor ball pit, just sort of staring off into oblivion. But it's like for a long time, even like, faith conferences like our faith is built around the community and having experiences with others that is at the core of this thing right but for a long time it was like that was the ex- like oh the experience is out in the parking lot and the parking lot is just a giant ball pit or like <laughs> like you know just say shot. It. it's catalyst you're talking about catalyst where they had the stupid about- gimmicks and ferris wheels and stuff <laughs> but but i'm all i'm saying it, i'm not i'm not pointing i love the catalyst guys and, and ironically and, tyler reagan just texted me so no, <laughs> his I, ears are burning I, I, love, I love the catalyst guys but but I'm not just saying it's I'm not saying it's just that conference. We've all been to even like churchy stuff where there's just some like instead of actually kind of thinking through, well, you know, this is a conference that's basically a mix of teachings and sort of these like TED talks with, uh, you know, kind of interesting thinkers. The experience will just be out there. We'll, we'll put some games out there. People will love it. And it's like no one coming here is going to go out there and, do you know, <laughs> kick the soccer ball in the goal or do the dunk tank. No, you know, this is like that's not the experience people are looking for. Like right. we're not looking for the experiences that children have at birthday parties. We're looking for relational experiences or Speak for connection. You know, yeah. And, there is and, nothing sadder. I'm sorry. There is nothing sadder than that parking lot. Okay. I remember very specifically the very last catalyst I went to a, a ministry company spent a lot of money. I'm talking six figure money to do this big interactive gamification thing in the parking lot. And then while you're there playing the game or whatever, like you're getting introduced to the brand, right? And they spent a ton of money. It was so impressive. They had 10 people working it all in their shirt, branded shirts. Nobody was there. Not one person. And they were off to the side a little bit. And you could see them bored and longingly looking at you. Will you please come over here? And that keeps you from going over there. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I don't want... Yeah. It's so sad when nobody does the parking lot <laughs> but, gimmick but, thing. But, but the thing is, it's not... I, I, I'm not saying that it's like... In that any specific company, I mean, it was for a long time, whether it was like a faith conference or, you know, some, you know, or something that was unrelated to the church. That was the same. It was the same strategy. You know what I mean? And and I'm not I'm not blaming any of those brands because they, they were just trying to find a way to, to you know, kind of cut through the noise and provide, um, you know, some entertainment for, for people that are there. But, but COVID, like I said, has just changed our mindset, like change what we're craving to your point cameron when you go to church it's not necessarily the teaching that you're craving because you've been getting that online for two years during the pandemic Mm -hmm. you want to be around people Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way you know and it seems like out of anyone we should be the best at that like with that our whole thing is relationship you know what i mean I, i don't know what it looks like i don't know what kind of conference would draw people in a way that is unique to what we're doing but i do think 
like I said, when you look at stuff like like a Comic Con or even even you know Cameron, these like events we'll go to at like the NBA before the NBA draft. An NBA team is pretty good at creating an experience for a night mm-hmm. where you're connecting with people, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily hey go sit in an auditorium and everyone collectively stare at a at a person or a screen. It's you know it, it has its own energy and you make friends and I don't know. There's got to be some model for a future conference. Um, Corey, if you don't mind, just make a side note that you could send me later uh start next big very profitable christian mega conference built around experiences if you, i just don't want to forget that because it seems like real market void well it has to be something that we can't replicate with a screen you know that i think that's the key is like when you're in the environment of worship you just can't replicate that by watching it mm-hmm. on a screen, you know? And so it's like, and like you said, Comic-Con, I'm walking around, I'm seeing it. There's a buzz and energy that you can't replicate on a screen. Yeah, it's a panel. You can ask questions. and Yeah. 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 So it's like, what is that? You know, exactly. Anyway, that's not why T.D. Jakes is ending <laughs> Woman Now Are Loose. Please don't infer that they were failing. It was probably the most successful, yeah. you know, Christian mm-hmm. conference. I mean... Man, this dude, he would he would fill the Georgia Dome. I mean, it's insane, yeah. the gatherings that he has done over the years. I, I will say this. For a while, their motto was, to be fair, come for the teaching, stay for the ball pit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roman, thou art loose to the ball pit. Go ahead. <laughs> After service, they're out in the parking lot. Um, I went to a silent disco at a conference one time. It was a youth conference. I feel like I should clarify that, but... Did you leave room for the Holy Spirit when y'all were dancing silently? Yeah. I mean, I was a leader at it, so I was absolutely... So you were the Holy Spirit. You were like... Yeah, I was getting kids like, that's a little close there, guys. No, that you just put in everyone... (laughs) They were like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. What are you saying? No, the funniest part is you take your headphones... You take your headphones off and you hear these kids singing horribly (laughs) off pitch to these songs. Um, All the different songs. It was great. The actual best part was they did clean versions of like popular songs and so you would take your With headphones kids off bop? and the kids are singing the bad words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my They're gosh. In the blanks. You know, those experience things though, like, you know, football starts this weekend and I go to all the Texas games. They have so many experiential things around the mm-hmm. stadium for all day long during the game. And it's just getting fans there and getting them involved. Yeah. And but, but it's stuff that people want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like awkward. it's, it's interaction. It's, it's they, not a ball came for, yeah, not a ball yeah exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of beer. <laughs> That's what the parents are coming for. The adults. Well, Corey, they do you, concerts too. <laughs> Corey, my conference definitely going to have beer. We got to get people there. You get two free coupons every day. And use, use them whenever you want. Two pints. Last year, Salt and Pepper was one of the people playing afterwards. And my dad was with me. And I was singing every word. And my kids were so embarrassed. And we looked around. It's all like women in 40 to 50 years old. <laughs> of course. Singing every word. They're women 40 to 50 years old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was really funny. Move the show along. Stay tuned. Tyler joins us for a little bus. Listening to Dreamer Boy and Benet, the song is Are You Letting Go? 
Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show, Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee, bringing us the latest of what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Tyler, before we get started, I have a mm-hmm. question for you. Yeah. If you're looking at the screen, you see all of our fine faces. That's right. Does Does Jesse look like he's getting ready for his first day of pre-K? <laughs> like with, his, <laughs> with his big boy glasses and his backwards bright green hat? <laughs> I, I can ex- I explain the look. Okay, let me let me explain. I'll, I have an explain. answer. I have an answer, but I'll hear no. you, I'll hear you out. No, let's Jesse. hear let's hear your answer, and then I'll explain, <laughs> the, Tyler. I was going more like off-season baseball guy, like the like they're, they're checking in just to see how. The off season's going. No, it's yeah. everything's oversized. Like the hat's better? like too big. The glasses are Dude, too big. The, but the baseball player, you know, I'm not a sports guy, so I'm a little. I'm in. I'm already out of my depth here a little bit. But whenever, <laughs> but whenever I see a photo of, of these guys, whenever they're whenever they're on TV talking, they yeah. for whatever reason the hat is a little too big. They are not uh-huh. bothered with the contacts. The, the, the contacts are, are out, so they've got the glasses. And they got a little shade talk, on their beard. They got a yeah. I mean, beards. Yeah. The, I, the MLB loves loves like a five day beard. <laughs> like that, that seems like a big part of the aesthetic over there. I don't think I don't think I've ever watched a baseball game on television before. So so if I'm wrong on this, I'm, I'm more than willing to be correct. I'm with you, dude. I watch baseball nice. all the time, and I would fit right in. And it's a very cool culture. Go to games. I go to games. I, I don't. I don't mind like being at the game. I do not watch them on television. I, and, that is and, not interesting to me. And look, I'm not going to sit here and and I don't feel like I have to defend my look right now. But <laughs> I don't know if you watch. I don't know if you guys are watching. Welcome to Wrexham. The the new. I am. Uh, yeah. No, but I want to. It's fantastic. It's, it's very very fun show. Two stylish gentlemen uh, uh, are are at the center of it. And Cameron, what does one of them wear? Pretty much every episode. It's a big flat bill baseball hat and slightly oversized. Newsflash, it's in. I don't I don't, I don't make the rules. Okay. I Just think it's having it on backwards is what makes it. Look Look like well, you're a little kid. I can't have it on forward with this mic. Look, look what happens. Okay, so when I record, I have to turn it backwards or the uh-huh. bill of the hat hits the mic cage. Okay, <laughs> two that makes sense. Reason it's bright two. green is because I had a fantasy football draft this week uh-huh. uh, and I got home very, very late at night. And this hat is for usually at fantasy football drafts. I know it sounds dorky, but everyone wears their team gear. Okay, I've been in the same league for 15 years. <laughs> well, Wait, the full outfit, including knee pa- like the pads and and cleats and Helmets, stuff. Uh, no. Regulation. no, no, no. It's, <laughs> no, everyone typically wears like either like a jersey or some team apparel. Uh-huh. I've been in the same league for literally since my early twenties, and that's just what we do. And we do wow. it in person, and we do it every year. We call it we call it our Christmas morning. Like this is, 
And it's our night. Anyway, I got home very late and I threw my New York Jets cap onto the desk beside uh, my bed that night. And this morning, we're recording early. And thank you guys, by the way. You guys are working around my schedule. I have something during our normal recording time. And I, you know, because it was early, I didn't, I didn't go through the whole morning routine. And I grabbed the closest hat uh-huh. on the way upstairs and I saw myself in the camera was like, Nailed it. Nailed it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Never all right, Tyler, what's going on this week? Well, all right. We, we're going to start, and I, I got to warn you all. I got to warn, I got to warn the, the parents. I got I to warn the, the school teeth, the school moms, the pastors, the, the husband, father pastors. We're going to start out getting a little bit relevant after dark here. Uh-oh. And this one, it doesn't, it doesn't start, it doesn't start relevant after dark, but yeah, I think you'll see that we're going to get there pretty soon. A new study, <laughs> a new study came out uh, and this is this was a study conducted in the UK so there's a little caveat there because these are British people and <laughs> you know I'll, I will and not, you not, know we love our you know, British you people. know how they are you know how they can be but this is this was conducted in the UK by the British National Survey of Sexual Attitudes and Lifestyles and they found a correlation between strong religious belief and a healthy sex life now this is a little bit surprising to me I don't know if it's a little bit surprising to you too religious people aren't known for their robust and uh, maybe extremely satisfying sex lives, at least in popular culture. But in terms terms of the actual survey, the numbers don't lie. And they do say that actually going to church more, uh, so having like a very, that's correlated with a strong religious belief, if you're regularly attending religious services, is connected to more satisfying sexuality. Now, a few caveats to this, and one of them that I think is very interesting. First up, uh, it is not necessarily, there's not really a correlation in terms of quantity. Uh, If you have more religious belief, you're likely having less sex than somebody who's not super religious. But it is quality. You're more satisfied with the sex that you're having if you ha- if you have a a strong religious faith. The that makes one, sense to me, though, because they value to marriage and, and yeah. there's an intimacy and a soul tie that is not just frivolous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I completely, I, can re- I They don't really know why. You know, we don't we don't understand all the ins and outs of this. But Cameron and I had the exact same thought that this is probably mm-hmm. a. There's probably like you're likely to be having less sex because you're having sex probably with a committed partner. You're more likely to if you have a strong religious belief and that you're so you're kind of limiting yourself to just the good stuff, so to speak. There is actually this idea that there might be sort of an optimal amount of sex for people to have that they're satisfied with. If you're not having any sex, well, that's not very satisfying. But there is such a thing as also as having too much sex where it starts to be the return just gets a little lower on that. Mm. And religious people tend to have tend to be closer to that optimal level. Now, the yeah, second thing is Sunday morning because Sunday, that yeah. Sunday morning windows <laughs> off the table. And so yeah, it's, yeah. you know, the, the you're diminishing to six return and a half you're talking about. Yeah, six you're, and yeah a half exactly. <laughs> a major block of opportune time <laughs> off the table. Everyone's rushing, get ready to go. And you don't get back to lunch. And at that point, the day's already off, you know? It's maybe six times in the afternoon. I mean, it's pretty much a whole day's off, off yeah. the book. Yeah. You know, yeah. at that it's Sunday point, night. So. You're, you're thinking about Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's 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 yeah. so we have that too. It's nobody well, talks about post church sex. Yeah. God yeah. says There's no work one day a week. <laughs> that's not. Yeah. <laughs> so you're lucky if you get a nap. And that's you know that's but even you know these days at some point you hit an age where it's like that's probably unlikely as well. You know, I'm already prepping. I'm prepping for the for the week. You know, or yeah. get a little Sunday fun day, and that involves out with friends. You know. Oh anyway, continue. <laughs> Emily, what are your thoughts about this study? <laughs> Sorry, I was Emily just is shaking her head. Congrats for everyone having sex. I'm not having sex. So 
<laughs> there was Emily. Um, this this held true for both though. married and single people. I don't know. I don't necessarily know why that is, but there is. But but the correlation didn't disappear, uh, even among even among sexually active single people who say they have strong religious beliefs. So and, and I don't and I don't know exactly what the correlation. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense to me either. And this is the other part that doesn't make any sense. You think they would have some guilt and shame around yeah. it? You yeah. know, like yeah, if they have a strong faith, okay. they would know they, they shouldn't be doing yeah. that. British. British. Remember? British. Oh, yeah, the British. The British. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all, so all theories kind of go out the window there. But this is where I would really I'd be interested in hearing uh, Emily and Jamie's thoughts on this one. This correlation that we found, we found, I say like I was involved in the study. Nobody <laughs> nobody asked me. Uh, but this correlation that they found You is, weren't surveyed? You is, weren't I was, no, no, nobody asked me. Well, I'm not British. They, I, would, I would have tainted uh, the entire, I mean, it wouldn't have yeah, worked. We could. Uh, <laughs> You're just across you the channel. People Hello. who are from a British accent would suggest that I would not. I don't think I'd be fooling anybody. <laughs> but there was no, there, this correlation was very strong for women. Uh, it was a very strong correlation between religious women and non-religious women. The correlation almost disappears for men. There is almost no similar correlation between religious men and non-religious men when it comes to their level of satisfaction with their sex lives. And that's something they don't understand it. They don't, they don't have any theories about why that might be. And honestly, I'm kind of puzzled too. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but they cannot find a uh, any sort of connection there mm. interesting so they're saying that non-religious men and religious men feel exactly the same mm-hmm. feel about the same in terms of their they're not necessarily having they're not there's not like more or less it's not like religious men aren't happy with their sex lives they're just not uh-huh. appreciably more happy than yeah. somebody than a man who's not religious that is interesting. And I don't know. And and I can't account for that. And it was kind of buried in the study a little bit, maybe just because they don't understand it super well. But uh, but it is an interest. I'd be interested in hearing more about that, uh, maybe from the Americans uh, who might be able to unpack it a little religions? bit. religions? Is it all religions encapsulated in the yes, study? Yes, but in a study like this, Christianity is so much the predominant religion uh, among the among those surveyed that you can mm-hmm. kind of you can kind of yeah. assume that Christianity is the is the main focal point of the religion, but there was not in this study, any correlation that I saw that they noted about other religions. Mm. Mm. They did note that more academia actually pull is a detractor on your satisfaction with sex life. The higher up you go in the education process, the less happy you are with your sex. So let that be a warning well, to those of you guys, out there. Let that be a warning. <laughs> no more school. <laughs> I mean, knowledge is not always Stupid power. and happy. That's the goal, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I stopped pursuing higher education many years ago and this just reconfirms my commitment <laughs> one to of the never many, entering one of the back many in. perks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other perk, not having to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty big one. See, you have a lot more time on your hands. There you they go. Say, yeah. Ignorance is bliss, right? I so got more money in my pocket and more, uh, uh, you know, time to not have to go to school. Again, uh-huh. once again, a major benefit. And I don't have to pay for uh, doing something that I don't want to do, which is going to school. <laughs> That's funny. All right. What else do you have? Okay, well, this is we're we're shifting gears a little bit, and this is we're first of all we're going stateside, thank goodness, and uh, and uh, second of all we're we're going to talk a little bit about this. This was a really interesting story. It's it's it is a happy story, but it kind of speaks to a pretty sad and ongoing systemic issue in our justice system and in our prison systems specifically. A man by the name of Sullivan Walter. He's fifty three years old, and he has been exonerated after a thirty six year old conviction. He was in jail. 
for mm-hmm. 36 years for a rape that he did not commit. Back in 1986, he was 17 years old when he was first sent to jail for this. As it turned out, according to Judge Daryl Derbigny, uh, he found at least three major pieces of evidence that could have exonerated this man before he went to jail, but either his actual legal help was too inept to bring it up, or the police in charge of it actually uh, actually suppressed this uh, this information. Wow. This is what ended wow. up sending him mm. to jail. There was a there was a botched investigation. It turns out that this man Walter was mistakenly identified in a lineup, even though there was there was no record of him actually being seen at the scene of the crime. The person was masked, so how was this person identified? Mm. Uh, there was the previous counsel failed to point out conflicting statements from investigators and missteps. This is according to Yahoo News. So conflicting statements. These things were not brought up to the jury. And then finally, blood gathered at the scene of the crime uh, did not match that of Walters. This was also not presented to the jury, which is what ended up sending him to jail for a long time. Obviously, very, very good that he is now out of prison. Very, very sad, but he is uh, he's pretty elated about this. But the judge is obviously furious about this. And this, of course, also speaks to uh, the fact that we're probably just not catching all of these things. You know, it's, you're, gl- you're glad to hear every time somebody gets out of it. But that also speaks to who knows how many more of people who have not been exonerated yet who should yeah. be. How did this new evidence or old evidence get back to light? Do you know? It was thanks to the Innocence Project, uh, an organization yeah. that we've referenced on here a number of times. And this is their sole focus, is trying to get find these cases and get them back in front of a judge. And in this case, they were successful. But in many cases, they're not. Uh, the, you hear a lot of times that judges just refuse to look at these cases. Sometimes all the way up to the Supreme Court will refuse to listen to new information that they bring out. Uh, but thankfully, this time they did. I, I I don't I don't mean like this is a heavy topic and and one that I think to your point Tyler points to a lot of um, systemic issues that that need to be addressed on you know kind of the macro level uh, because a lot of times when we hear about it you know we hear about it on the micro like a specific case or a specific piece of evidence or something like that um, when it really to your point points to larger issues with with how criminal prosecution works with uh you know the appeals process and disproportionate uh prosecution for different communities and, and things like that but you know so i know it's a serious topic i don't mean to make light of it but i also think like i think that i, I and maybe they do i again i should probably i'll look into it but don't you feel like the innocence project should have like three of the best true crime podcasts ever recorded because uh-huh. I mean, honestly, like we we're in an era where true crime podcasts, there are multiple cases of the, not just the interest that they have brought in, in actual cases, but sometimes their investigations have been more effective and more thorough yeah. than law enforcement investigations <laughs> and have led to either, uh, you know, guilty verdicts or exonerations uh, of people. I feel like if I was if I if I were working at the Innocence Project, I would be like, guys, we need to hire a podcasting team because that could be the. I mean, honestly, that could bring so much light to a lot of these cases, especially with the depth and uh, of of investigation that they're capable of and the credibility that they have, because so many of them are actual lawyers. I feel like there's an intersection there that could really benefit uh, their cause. 
And sometimes I was going to ask you, Tyler, sorry, I was going to ask you, you know, why do sometimes these judges not care to hear the case? Well, a lot of times they don't care because there's no noise about it. And like, there's no one like talking about it. And so it it might be like something that they would, it would make them look bad. Their career got it wrong. Right. And so they have to like, no, 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 we're not going to bother with that. So you bring more chatter to the situation. All of a sudden they're like, oh, the people are speaking. It's literally the HBO uh, documentary series of Patton Oswalt's, you know, late wife. You know, she literally was a blogger and a true crime and she got uh, obsessed with with uh, the serial killer story in California and found a community of bloggers and podcasters and citizen investigators. And they ended up finding the guy 45 years later. And he got convicted. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, she lost her life through it. She kind of, you know, it's a sad story. But I mean, it's cra- It's exactly your point. And and you know, so maybe season three of Only Murders in the Building will be what you're saying, Jesse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do think there is this this pressure that people in the Justice Department can sometimes feel to maintain this idea of untouchability, like this idea that we do get these things right, uh, because the more trust that we as the public have in them, the more the smoother these things are likely to go. And I see where people are coming from on that, but it is that is not more important than vindicating people if there i would say if there's any chance that these people didn't do the things that they that they're yeah. claiming their innocence mm. of then you've yeah. got to and you've got to take a look at that and uh, yeah. and and i think people understand people can accept that mistakes happen people are grown-ups yep well there's a lot more where that came from make sure to uh, make relevantmagazine.com part of your daily web browsing and follow us on all the socials for the latest we're covering the intersection of faith life culture and justice every day thanks tyler Thanks, everybody. Thanks, ma'am. Bye, Tyler. All right, that'll do it for Relevant Buzz. Stay tuned. Up next, T.D. Jakes joins us. I was walking through the parking. I just saw you. Oh, no. We start talking. I start falling. This ain't nothing. You gotta know. We get coffee the next morning. It starts storming. Oh, no. Friends apartment. Music starts in, now we're rocking. Here we go. Oh, you make me wanna tingle. Oh, so I wanna make sure you know it takes time. You're listening to Surfaces. The song is It Only Takes Two. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads. You can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is T.D. Jakes. You know who he is. He's he's a best-selling author, speaker, pastor of the Potter's House in Dallas, this year, for the final time, he will host the women's conference, Women Thou Art Loosed. It was a game changer for a couple decades now. We spoke with him about why he felt it was time to pass the baton to the next generation, how the church can continue to champion women, and why it's important to have a diverse body of Christ. Here's our conversation with T.D. Jakes.
am really excited to talk about uh, the Women Thou Art Loose conference and its big finale. How are you feeling about that? Well, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's certainly an opportunity for for reflection for me to look back over the span of, of almost four decades uh, of, of ministry and to see what has been accomplished and what has been done in the lives of so many women and the, the various ways that we've communicated with them, not only the conference, but the books and the music and and all of the variations. We did movies, we did plays. We've found every way possible to be uplifting to a demographic that historically had not had been undervalued in the church. And uh, mm-hmm. they, they made up the predominance, the majority of the crowd, but they got the least amount of attention in ministry. And so I felt it was incumbent uh, upon me to kind of get something started that really uh, spoke to and address some of the needs that my wife and I had noticed that were going on in our local church. It started out as a Sunday school class and gosh, to see what all came out of it has been utterly amazing. Mm -hmm. How has it changed over the years, like from the initial vision that you had of it? You know, I, I think that as times change and as you mature, your your message takes on different nuances. And uh, I think it has matured over the years as women have evolved over the years. Their roles have evolved over the years. They're in positions of leadership and power that initially were were not uh, available to them. And not just in the church, but in the, in the corporate world and in the political world and every aspect of our society, the, the new definitions of the emergent woman has has developed and, and evolved with time. And so as it did so, we did so. And uh, we, we continue. I think this conference is going to be a reflection on that because of why we have uh, great speakers that are going to be ministering to, to the women from the Word of God and, and building them up spiritually. We've also got Christian women who are leaders in the corporate world who are going to be on panels talking about mm-hmm. women in power with with Christian values and how that works for them and how they how they integrate their faith into the business world. It's kind of true to our core because our core brand centers around ministry and marketplace, and and so we get a chance to see how our faith plays out. In the, in the public arena and how that plays out in, in for women in positions of authority and, and how to strengthen and inspire and impart women uh, that come not only to be spiritually grounded and renewed and rejuvenated, but also to get tips and tools that will help them to steer the helm of new horizons that are now being opened up to them in a way that we have never seen uh, in the history of this country. You know, just even in my own lifetime, I feel like I've seen more and more women step up, whether that's in the church or, like you said, in a corporate world and just become leaders, which has been really great. But I personally feel like there's still, you know, a bit of a ways to go. Do you agree with that? And, you know, what what can we as the church be doing to ensure that we continue to pursue that? Uh, of course, I, I think there's a, there's a way ways to go. It's kind of like the civil rights movement. We're not there yet. 
there's still disparities in, in the pay scale for women in the workplace. That, that, that there, there's often a disparity between what a woman gets paid doing the same job that a man does. And there's still a disparity over the amount of CEOs that, that we have in high positions in corporations that are women. Uh, there are a lot of disparities when it comes to access to capital for entrepreneurship that still needs to be addressed. There's a lot to be done. And even in the church, uh, there are things that need to be done where where women are taken seriously uh, in ministry, where they're taken seriously and not prohibited in the roles that they can play uh, in the churches that they have contributed to historically. And if all the women left the church, many churches would collapse. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, to not recognize them and, and, and to somehow find a justification to discriminate from the very people who have been the lifeblood of the church historically uh, leaves something to be desired. And, and so, Woman Not Loose really nailed a message in, 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 into the heart of the culture and to the heart of the church that women mattered and their, their pains and frustrations and, and heartaches were, were often justified and that there was a place to be healed and a, and a place to be challenged. And I think those are two different things. Uh, between healed and wholeness. There's one thing to be healed, it's another thing to be made whole. And so uh, the first objective was to create a space for for them to be healed from the trauma of, of their history and, and and society and culture. And, and, and religion has often been complicit in that whole process. And then to go from healed to wholeness is to how do I find my place uh, in, in the world that is evolving and opening up new opportunities. And with it comes new stress and new pressures and new demands. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're breaking through glass ceilings, uh, you're, you're held to different standards. Uh, uh, you're not seen as an individual. You're seen as a gender and you're, you're not, uh, uh, your own marriage don't come to play, but they will categorize you in a group. That's how women are. That's how that sort of thing. They have to overcome all the kinds of things that any minority does that emerges into new realms of influence and power. Because you've been such a champion of women, you've gotten to really benefit from a church and a ministry where there are equally men and women. And, you know, there are a lot of churches that because of their views, they don't have that. So I would just love to hear, you know, how does having really the full body of Christ in ministry with you, how does that impact you daily and just in your ministry and your faith? Oh, it's so diversity is so important. I mean, it, it, in the corporate world, everybody's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But it's more than a, a pop thing to say. It gives you a, a different point of view, a different perspective. Uh, when a woman comes to a text, she sees things that a man wouldn't see, and vice versa. Uh, when a young person comes to the text, they see things in the text that an older person wouldn't see. So our church has really benefited by our, our racial diversity, our, our uh, diversity of gender, our diversity in our leadership. Well, as mm -hmm. we sit around the table and discuss ideas and concepts, it is a wise thing to have different perspectives 
so that you that's how you get whole. It's when you take different perspectives and put them together, that's what creates wholeness. And so it is certainly, uh, and I've kept up because of my kids, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they, they've, they've kept me relevant. Uh, um, their perspectives and their views are contagious. I, you know, it, it affects you, it rejuvenates you. And my wisdom and my experiences have affected them. And so when you have diversity, we often think about it in terms of race, but also in terms of age, in terms of skill set. You know, not everybody's a preacher, somebody's a teacher, somebody's a thinker, somebody's an administrator. I, I try to have a, a wide arc of leadership in everything that I do because it, it causes you not to be narrow-minded in, in your thinking. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that it has affected us. And I think that has something to do with why we are a global ministry and why we have, we translate our messages into 80 different languages every Sunday because we do have a global perspective on what ministry is. And I think that's why people will be flying to one another loose from all over the world because we're, we're not thinking in the vacuum of just thinking that everybody who's listening is like, it's exactly like the one who's speaking. There's, there's a diverse crowd. We're going to a global world. That was TD Jakes. Hey, if you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. It's, 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 it's a nice little... Uh, refreshing of the timeline when his sermon posts pop up. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Listening to Saint Panther, the song is Problems. Okay, well, it's time for your feedback. Last week we got talking about back of the fridge meals. I, I forgot to buy groceries for a few weeks and was scraping the bottom of the barrel. I literally ate everything in my freezer. I thawed every piece of random chicken that was in there, you know, whatever. So we just got talking about your go-to creative quote-unquote meal when you have no real groceries in the house. And um, we asked you what yours were. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and here are some of our favorites. Um, I'd like to start off with Paul's answer, which was ramen noodles plus any random leftover veggies plus any random leftover meat, sesame seed oil, and soy sauce. That's not a leftover meal. I actually, like... I literally That's had that meal two meal. nights ago. I'm staying with my friend. We actually made that. And that was not a, oh, we don't have anything. That was a planned strategy. So I'm a little offended that that's his like go-to creative meal. I would like to know what's your planned meals? Like what, are you a, a professional yeah. chef? Because to me, we were hyping up that ramen. We thought we were act like, we thought we were Michelin star or something. And apparently we're not. So I have some beef to pick. Did you see Fulcher's? <laughs> Fulcher says he sprinkles shredded cheese on potato chips to make nachos. Potato chips? 
or potato like, chips. Mm. I mean, I look. I, I'm I, a lot of these people are. I think are geniuses. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, you know, um, I I would try that. I mean, why not? I'm not. You know. I actually, it's funny he says that. Okay. I'm sorry. Can I do a brief aside? I know we got a lot to get to today. After church this week, the family got home and we were, we found ourselves in this situation. Grocery shopping was, was on the list for later that afternoon, but we did not stop on the way home. So everyone's home from church. We're all very hungry. Okay. Yeah. So it is time to, to get creative. And I am making a giant plate of nachos using canned tuna, Old Bay, hot sauce, and shredded <laughs> cheese. It's delightful. As I'm eating it with my family, I just put it out on the table, and that was lunch. We're all just going to eat this. <clears throat> I was thinking, I want to start an all-nacho <laughs> restaurant, okay? It's called na- it's it's called Nacho Average Restaurant, okay? <laughs> so what it's called. <laughs> and it's, and there's, there's two things. There's a menu of custom, awesome nacho creations, okay? Uh-huh. Or... It's a create your own. And when we give you a little iPad and you're and you're and you're clicking stuff and it comes out your own custom nacho creation. Great idea, right? Nacho Which is a good restaurant. idea. Thank you. Okay. I got two great ideas. It can be part of my it can be part of my new conference experience. Yes, yes. No ball pit. You get the nacho average food truck outside. Yeah. And you're recording a live podcast with the Innocent Project. I mean, this is this night doesn't you're get any better. Crimes. Solving crimes, <laughs> exonerating people, eating nachos, and fellowshipping, and no service. That's all I want. Zero. <laughs> Zero. There's a restaurant in my neighborhood called Grilled Cheeses, and all they serve is grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, it's along the same lines so of what good. you're talking about. Yeah. Except, except I, I think people like nachos way more than grilled cheese. You don't see people, you see people going to the movies or basketball game and being like, ooh, you know what would be a great compliment? A grilled cheese sandwich. No, people order nachos, okay? Yeah. There's so many custom options here. There's so many custom options, including potato chips, you know? I'll give you an iPad and you just start punching stuff in and we'll make it back in the kitchen bring out your nachos because it's nacho average restaurant. Okay. Nacho average restaurant. Anyway, Kyle, Kyle seems, I mean, he's on next level here. He says, fairly recently, I coupled soft taco tortillas wrapped in, uh, wrapped a hot dog and some cheese to make what I call a jumbo <laughs> pig in a blanket. I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. A so- soft tortilla, hot dog, roll it up. Why not? Why not? You know? But Kyle, but I, I, I like that, Kyle, but we do have things called sausage mm-hmm. wraps here in Texas. You go to like, this, the state fair, you go to a track meet, you're going to get a yeah. sauce strap. It's basically that. Kyle, good yeah. job. Uh, Berto uh, Santiago, this is, he's living my kid's best life. He says white rice with Chick fil A sauce. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, that, that is, that is a yeah. back of the That's pantry a struggle meal. meal right there. Yep. Desperation. Everybody's, got, everybody's got that box of rice that you don't oh, yeah. know why you have it. Yep. And, yeah. and you know, we carry all those Chick fil A packets home from, from Chick fil A. Oh, yeah. You're like, I need three more. Yes. Berto I know. Gets what you, I was man. talking yes. about. That is, that's, that's the, genius right there. Yeah. That's the true struggle meal when those are literally the only two ingredients in your kitchen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got some condiments in the fridge door and I got that mm-hmm. weird box of rice. I'm not sure how old it is. <laughs> yeah. That's a it's, meal. It's either rice with Chick-fil-A sauce or an ice sandwich tonight. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> those are the options. That's what we got. <laughs> All right. This, this is great. Isaac says, uh, we was on summer vacation. Uh, wife and, and kid weren't home. I love this. So, th- okay. This is, First of all, first off, this is the setup, right? That is Family's absolutely the setup. 
Yeah. You gotta like. It's like, well, Uber Eats, and you know, I gotta click. That's all my buttons. situation. It's like I'm here alone. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm yeah, accountable to no one. I could do the most depraved food thing in the world, and I'm not. And no one's gonna judge. And I'm hungry now. Uber Eats and DoorDash these days take like 45 minutes at best. Right? They're all over. I. I was home one time. I had three cancel on me. I don't know if I did some bad. I don't know oh, if my, my reviews are secretly bad, but it's unreliable at this point. Okay. Right. And, and, and the fees are just through the roof. Through Everyone the roof. knows this. So anyway, Isaac's home alone. He's accountable to no one. And he says, I needed something quick. So <laughs> I threw some frozen tots in the air fryer topped with pizza sauce and cheese and called it a day. He said it was the best thing he's ever eaten. I'm not going to lie. That frozen I, tater tots mm-hmm. in the air, in the fryer, air fryer, delicious, yep. topped with pizza sauce and cheese. I would eat so, that. I'm not. I think lie. I'm trying to think of the structure, though. Like, yeah. are they? I mean, it's yeah. like loaded you tots. It? He, you know, just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're just putting it in a bowl and a fork. I don't think you're eating with your bare That's hands. What I'm just trying to wrap my head around is like right. pizza sauce. Those ingredients mixed together sound fine, but like functionally, how are you eating it? Yeah, you got a fork. You got a fork for that. I feel like you throw some bacon in there and woo, you know. Although I'm going to be honest, Isaac's home by himself. His wife and kid are there. I wouldn't yeah. put it past him to be sitting on the couch eating that with his fingers. <laughs> right but. out of the air fryer bucket. <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't want to dirty up the plates. He didn't want to do dishes. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to any extra measures here. He's using his fingers. Well, that, that's like when in college we had, did you guys have hot pots? Because we couldn't have, we didn't have like a, a hot surface in our rooms or right. microwaves. But it was a pot that you, I, I wasn't even aware of hot pot culture until college we just plug it in and it gets water super super hot you know and you make ramen or whatever you want in there that was the bowl right <laughs> like it was it was where i'm cooking it and it's what i'm eating out of and it just saved a lot of you know i didn't i didn't have a hot plate or a hot pot i had a little little and you know mr coffee coffee maker and mm-hmm. that's how i made my ramen i would put the ramen in the pot and then the hot water would pour on and then you just sprinkle the whatever and you just eat it right out of the the coffee the coffee thing. Did you have a you separate know? coffee maker for your coffee or did they just No. Okay. I mean like it's just you just, just clean hot it. Water, it's, yeah. yeah, it's hot water. I it's just hot, I feel it's like perfect. The flavors, I feel like I feel like the flavors would would mix in a weird way. <laughs> they didn't. It was it's it's a great way to do frankly, ramen. Frankly, I don't believe you. I think you had ramen <laughs> coffee. See, I had a microwave <laughs> in my dorm but whoever designed my building's dorms did not think it through the way like the because the microwaves were like in this like set in the wall and it was literally right beneath the uh fire alarm the amount of times that we had to evacuate because people would like cook something steam or popcorn even and they would open it up and the steam would just like set off the alarm we had to leave the dorm all the time and it would be like three in the morning because someone wanted popcorn and they just couldn't figure out how to not burn their popcorn. That's Ryan at the office. They they had the fire. Well, yes. I lived with a lot of Ryans apparently because it <laughs> happened a lot. Cheesy Peters, just, you know, big problem. All right, well, there's a lot more that came from. You can check it out. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so basically answer us on a scale of one to ten. How religious are you and how's your sex? That's what we want to know. <laughs> no, that's your spouse. Oh my please. gosh. I have to see yeah. the tweets. I do not want to see the <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. That's not the question. Well, no, here's the here's the real thing. Our thousandth episode is coming up next week, and uh, we want to hear from you. So for the 
question of the week. Ask us stuff. We we want to interact with you guys. And so hit us up. Uh, maybe we'll have some of you guys come on the show. Uh, well, you know, anything can happen. Hit us up on Twitter. Ask the cast some questions. Give us your feedback. Give us your thoughts. Whatever. Whatever. And we'll interact with you guys on the big thousandth episode next week. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or you can message us on the Relevant Magazine IG. We check them both. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank TD Jakes for joining us today. He's one of my heroes of the faith. If you haven't watched his sermons or read his books, go do it. It'll it'll bless you. Also, a couple of housekeeping notes. Make sure to go check out the summer digital issue of Relevant. It is the last week of the digital of the summer issue. We're about to debut the fall one. So if you haven't gone and engaged it, check it out. We got Naomi Rain, Rain Wilson, John Favreau, so many great artists and thinkers and, and stories. Uh, it is presented for free by World Vision. All you have to do is click on the magazine tab there at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, also, if you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, uh, you have your ad-free enhanced edition there waiting for you in your account dashboard. So go check that out if you haven't already. It's a beautifully designed version of the summer issue. Uh, also, if you aren't a Relevant Plus subscriber, you should. It is the best way to experience our content. It's ad-free, unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com. An ad-free version of this podcast delivered early, a couple days early, actually. An exclusive uh, subscriber podcast called Relevant Conversations, which is the unedited, full-length version of so many of these A-list conversations that you experience bits and pieces of here on the show. You also get uh, the Enhanced Digital Magazine and more. Plans start at just as low as two fifty a month. Uh, we think you'll like it. And it's, the like I said, the best way to experience our stuff. We love the support. Also, if you haven't checked out RelevantStore.com in a while, head over to see the uh, podcast fan merch and some other stuff we've got. Magazine archives, lots of stuff there at RelevantStore.com. And if you like the show, send us feedback. Tweet us at Relevant Podcast. Uh, tell your friends, post about it, share clips, and rate it and review it wherever you listen. That, those five stars and those positive comments help the algorithm, and we appreciate it. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Emily Brown. For Derek Miner. <laughs> He'll be back next week. Don't worry. We'll see you. Have a good one, everyone. For listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com Come for the teaching, stay for the ball pit. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.